Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I played my first game of football for two years last night. I just wanted to tell you that, by the way. Wow. You did? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> I scored with my second touch. What? Yeah. I played Gareth Bale. Pulled the muscle with my third. <laughs> but if you're listening, Gareth, I am available this summer. It's Gareth, Gareth Southgate, I mean, not just a random bloke called Gareth. <laughs> that would be <laughs> so great. But you should return at the, at the peak, like, you score and then, okay, I'm oh, done. Well, yeah, I probably have <laughs> done, to be honest with you, yeah, yeah. Um, but th- this opening section of the show, I realised earlier this week that it might need a little bit of explanation. Um, room 101, no one really knows what that is, do they? No. Well, Room 101 was the name of a torture chamber in the George Orwell uh, famous novel 1984, but it also spawned a very popular TV show in the UK called Room 101, where people would go on and talk about things that really irritated them and things that they'd like to put in a box for the rest of time, basically. So I'm going to start the show this week by asking you what you would put in Football Room 101. Oh, should I start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so much hate. Uh, uh, to me, it's it. investors. Investors. Yeah, it's just they, they. Nobody can tell me that somehow the game in the last 15 years has become more enjoyable. In yeah, the end, as for me personally, as a Man City fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, yeah. like for some clubs, it has. But overall, it didn't, and basically it led to football becoming big a money laundry machine where just some random guys the billionaires take over clubs and then you know mm. use that to i'd say laundry their money a little bit yeah i think that's fair <laughs> andre um it's it's a it's a bit like that but not in the same uh not exactly the same thing uh people running clubs in general um you you have to be certified by fifa to be a an agent, you have to be certified by FIFA to coach a club. Even if you're coaching 112, you need to be certified and all that stuff. But you, you don't need to be certified to run a club. And that really bugs me because most of the professionals, and I'm, I'm saying that in a funny way because <laughs> they're not that pro, they, they're not capable, yeah. not at all. And they're they're ruining the the game in so many ways. And some of them are just these so-called investors. Some others are just um, people with um, a lot of local power connected to local politics and stuff like that. So they need a way of getting to some more power. And so they go to football and they just use the clubs. And that that really annoys me. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy. Yeah, because I got uh, like a... Less serious answer. Good. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Balance us out. I don't like fair play. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, it's fake fair play on the beach. Like, after every foul, you you have the guy stand up. It's it's not true. Just play, I mean, two so, teams. So you prefer Neymar stretching out his hand, just pulling it away? <laughs> yeah. It's that way, yeah. I mean, at the end of the game, you can just mm. shake your hands, act the other players, and mm. good match like they do on American sports at the end of the game. But during the game, it's like, War, yeah. yeah. Let me say that. So, just play it. Don't care about your your re- rival. Yeah, interesting. That is an interesting take. Thank you. you can tell who the <laughs> Italian in the room is. I think, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> I would put international friendlies in room one. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the World Cup, and I understand why you have to have World Cup warm up games like we're having at the moment. But those ones where they just interrupt the season for a friendly game, it's the most frustrating thing in the you world. You must love the Nations League then. 
No. Uh, no, <laughs> no one loves that. Yeah, uh, yeah I think you, 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 have, you have a point, but imagine that you're uh, coaching a national team. You would <laughs> you probably to like to, to meet the players <laughs> yeah. that you're supposed to... Yeah. Occasionally, yeah. like... Just to not forget the well, faces. Well, that's it. It just feels like they're trying to justify the, the existence of international football for me sometimes, which I find annoying. But anyway, welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Burt. Joining me today is Andre Gonzalez. Hello. Helga Voltman. Hello. And Andrea Agostinelli. Hello. As ever, we'd love it if you get in touch with the show, and you can do so by email to podcast at onefootball.com, or even better, you can find us on iTunes and leave us a little review, and that's going to help us climb up the charts, so we would love it if you did that. Um, it seems like it's about a month ago now, but we're going to start today's show by talking about the Champions League final. <laughs> Top of the European charts are, once again, Real Madrid, who, of course, overcame Liverpool and Kiev on Saturday night in what was a truly extraordinary game, I think it's fair to say. And Drain Liverpool started the match better of the two sides, I thought. Um, did you get the sense that the pre-game momentum was with them and, and that Madrid were kind of struggling to cope with them in the early yeah, stages? Yeah, and, and uh, I think that was exactly what to expect from the beginning of the game. Uh, we, I was watching the game with this fella right here, with Helga, and we, we were discussing that during the game. Mm. The, the game started exactly <laughs> like we would expect with uh, Liverpool coming with everything and Real Madrid uh, a bit lost because they've, they've been lost like this like almost in every game. They're a very inconsistent team, uh, even mentally, mm. ups and downs during the, the 90 minutes. Um, so, it, uh, yeah, you're totally right. Uh, it started with uh, a better Liverpool, but then things changed drastically mm. um, with uh, with Salah. Of course, yeah. They lost uh, a lot of power up front um, and I think besides it's always complicated when you lose such an important player um, like that but um, I think mentally was even worse mm. for the rest of the of, of the team I, I felt like a lot of colleagues that just just thought okay without this guy we cannot do it mm. um, and and it's a problem you cannot depend on on one player just yeah, like that for sure yeah as you mentioned there, Salah went off with a nasty-looking shoulder injury after that tussle with Sergio Ramos. Um, Andrea, you're into your, your wrestling. What would you call that move? It's it's an arm lock. Arm lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's if, if you look at it from the other angle, it feels like uh, Chris Benoit used to do before the Crippler yeah, 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 like yeah. putting down the rival <laughs> and then put well. the arm between the leg and then start the. Or I should say yes block right now because you can't talk about Chris Benoit anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, actually, is an is an arm lock. Oh, so the Cripple Crossface has been renamed, has it? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. Chris Benoit, um, there's a very tragic story. Yeah, I know all about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't exist anymore. No, no. Well, quite literally. Uh, <laughs> Helga, did, did Ramos mean to injure Salah? I'm going to let you have the deciding overall <laughs> say on this. Awesome. Yeah. Now, personally, I don't think he meant to injure him. I think it was more that he realized that he was falling and that Salah could have been running through unmarked or like just basically just be be a free player there so he pulled him down to basically commit a, a tactical foul mm. and the injury itself i would say was more bad luck than actually intentionally him mm -hmm. trying to injure salah okay but let's say he did injure salah <laughs> let's say he did mean to do it do, do you have to admire the sort of dark arts at play there the, the machiavellian sort of Thing that I, th I think Ramos, Ramos is one of those guys. If he's playing for your team, you're gonna like him because he's a bastard, and you you need some bastards mm. on the pitch. But if he's playing for the opponent, you're gonna hate him. Yeah, yeah I think it's as as simple as that. Um, Ramos has this thing. He he never never avoids physical contact. 
even when it's dangerous and you know that someone can can get hurt, mm. he never avoids it, which is something that is I, I struggle to understand. Uh, but at the same time, he's a, he's a tough boy and he got used to it. It's a bit like street football. Um, and he has that feeling, that passion of war during the game. Um, again, if you like him, you really like him. <laughs> but if he's playing for another team, you're going you're gonna to hate that guy. Yeah. Half a million people have signed that petition now for him to be uh, <laughs> sanctioned from that's, FIFA. That's crazy. I'm just praying for Spain to draw Egypt in the World Cup. It's just been wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it looks like Mo Salah, thankfully, is going to make the World Cup now. But Liverpool certainly weren't the same team without him after after he went off. What did they lose exactly, do you think? Is it just that he's such a good player, that it was a psychological thing, or was there something yeah. tactical that changed? when They lost everything. Because their plan A, B, C is run as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. Salah is the was their strongest option. Real made a good job in blocking Firmino, which is like an, the uncover, the unsung hero for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. He was the key player, and they blocked him. There were like you know, as you say, in the first twenty thirty minutes, some balls behind the, the defensive line and make some some problems. And when you lost Salah, you lost everything. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, when Alana came in. Like his first action was cover all the pitch to cover. Uh, I think it was Nacho or Carvajal, mm-hmm. and Salah doesn't do didn't do that. He's just playing front, stay there, and he's like a a weapon, a mental weapon. So mm-hmm. every defense get to stay in there and watch him. Without him, Liverpool lost like his old strength, and yeah. Real can could play better and better, push more and more and more like. Uh, Marcelo could run more on the other side, Carvajal, and then Nacho can run and run more. It's, they just lost everything. Yeah. yeah, to me, you could really see they lost their spirit. They immediately yeah. dropped back further. They didn't press up high anymore. They almost played with a four-five-one mm-hmm. instead of a four-three-three. Yeah, uh, you could see Real Madrid realizing it and moving, pushing upwards, and really taking over the game. And as well, after half time, they you could see the club try to change that again. Mm-hmm. They pushed up. A little higher, but then after five, ten minutes, they they would just push back again. Yeah, really, I, they they. I, f- I feel there's a a bit of a lack of brain on Liverpool's game. Um, they rely a lot on on um, high pace and and um, being strong in 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 the last thirty thirty meters, and usually they do it because all the the front the front three is really. Fast and they move the the moves they make are they really confusing for for any defender? Um, but if you if you don't have that, if they need to to dominate the game and 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 pro, push the, the the other team to the, the 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 box, they struggle a lot to get into the box. They have a lot of a lot of trouble, and they don't have a atypical nine, which is something that you can use. In these situations, uh, with uh, some crosses, trying to get someone into the box with a target man, or and they don't they don't have it. So is either the plan A yeah. or nothing, <clears throat> like like you said. Yeah, but I would not blame Klopp for not having a plan B or or another option because this plan worked perfectly till the moment Salah got injured. And I mean, I have to say, shit happens, and yeah. the the injury was kind of hard for them they just got away their momentum and whatsoever but I will not blame Klopp for not having um, it's not about blaming Klopp what first of all getting that Liverpool into a Champions League final is 
unbelievable. Yeah, they don't yeah, have yeah. the squad to be there, in theory, of course. Um, gladly, football is uh, full of surprises, and we saw we saw them progressing to the final. Um, and I'm not blaming Klopp, not yeah, at yeah. all. It was it was absolutely incredible. But you need to prepare your team for this situation. And I don't think that was a plan. And and if, imagine that the next season, there's a Mane injured for four or five yeah. months, or Salah yeah. again injured. But yeah, the thing is, you cannot. You, it's not there. Yeah, as we said, when yeah. they when Salah was injured, who could he bring on? It was Lelana? It was Lelana. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no bench, basically. Did they? It was yeah. Danny Ings. Yeah. Danny Ings, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the the stats were telling after Salah went off. Before he went off, they managed 31 passes in the attacking third Liverpool. Um, in the 15 minutes before half-time, after he went off, they managed just one attacking third pass and no shots on goal. So it shows how drastically that game changed. And Madrid's sort of control over the game continued into the second half. They took the lead through Karim Benzema for 51 minutes, or rather. <laughs> they took the lead through the first of two horrific blunders from Loris Carriers. Helga, is that the strangest goal you've ever seen in a game of this magnitude? I think so, yes. Not in, in a game of this magnitude, <laughs> in, in professional football, maybe. Uh. <laughs> I was looking, as Dre said, we were watching the game together. And when that happened, we were just looking at each other Trying to understand wide open and we what what <coughs> just happened? What, yeah. what was this? Was we thought that the game was stopped for a, for a while. I was thinking that probably this this the game was stopped. Yeah. You no, know, it was a goal, and then we saw Benzema celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still don't understand what no, happened. There was there was no rush for Carrius to release that ball. He, he just no. he just caught it. He had all the time in the world. He didn't even try to throw it wide to maybe start a counter attack or something quick. He just tried to roll it towards the center back and completely missed that Benzema was there apparently I, I have absolutely no idea what he what he what he tried to do he, he, was, he, was, he was really slow because uh, Benzema was even looking at him and Lover was looking at Carus so you just yeah. throw the ball but it was slow and Benzema realized and then jump into the ball it's just crazy I, I thought first it was like not regular yeah. but then yeah. the core commentator said like the ball, the ball flow for a couple of yards, so it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's good. No foul or anything. Yeah. But wow, that, that was <laughs> the strangest goal I've ever seen. Well, the second, the, sorry, the third goal was pretty weird as well, was it not? <laughs> which was which was worse? Do you think? Uh, to me, it was the first because I can absolutely. There was no uh, yeah, time pressure. There's there was nothing. I, I cannot I cannot understand what happened still. So uh, with the, the third one, we've seen goals like that. Uh, it's uh, like a like like a focus, yeah. bad I think positioning. To, I think he wanted to prove maybe that he could catch that ball and not just deflect it somewhere to to a corner or whatever. That he was yeah. trying to show, like, yeah, I got this, and mm. like, maybe there was something there. But, yeah, but, but we've seen many keepers yeah. doing the same mistake. Actually, but... in the Bundesliga, we had Schalke <laughs> against Werder Bremen. It happened twice in one game to to Fehrmann <laughs> and Pavlenka, two of the best goalkeepers of the Bundesliga. But yeah. Yeah, it's not unusual. Yeah, in the uh, in the economy of the game, the first mistake was the the biggest. Mm -hmm. For for him, the second mistake will be the the worst because mm -hmm. it's more like a technical mistake that he keep mm -hmm. on doing all the season. If you remember, it was the same mistake he made against Roma when the color of it the bar. Yeah, it's yeah. the same, and I think it's kind of uh, like a technical thing that a lot of goalkeepers are doing now. They just don't know how to catch the ball or go with the mm -hmm. with the fist. They just go. Uh, uh, in the middle and most of the time you got coughs and with these uh, mistakes I mm. think for him 
probably the worst mistake is the second one. Yeah, I agree, actually, yeah. yeah, Because it's just such a rudimentary error. Like, the first one was a bit of overconfidence, just a bit of a brain fart, really, yeah. whereas the second one, like, you you can't do that. As a professional goalkeeper, it's unacceptable. Yeah, but the second one uh, happened after the the first blunt so, so in his mind yeah, yeah. It, it can be a psychological yeah, uh, mistake course. and then there's the the elbow from Sergio Ramos then mm. <laughs> I don't think I, that I, played a role you do not I mean there's a lot of emotions going on and see, if yeah, you yeah. see even when Isco it's yeah. the bar he just run out of the of the goal randomly yeah yeah, no, yeah, with, yeah. No, with no sense so I think if, for him there's I don't think he will over overcome like with, from this situation, not too soon. I don't see him not it, too soon playing. It's dramatic. It's going to be yeah. difficult to trust him again, isn't it? In a, yeah. in a big yeah. situation like that. But my my big question is: Did Carius actually cost Liverpool the game? It seems quite a, quite a convenient excuse for me that you know, all right, you made these two horrific errors, but the first one was cancelled out by Mane's equaliser, and at two one, I don't think Liverpool were really looking no, like they were going to get back into it at that point anyway. So it just. The thing to me is that they didn't really look like equalizing after the first one either, and they managed after a set piece. So keeping it two one, they might they probably would have lost it either way, but they might have had this lucky goal and then maybe bring it to penalties. Mm. There was still a possible like, and uh, psychologically, Real Madrid might have had bigger troubles in the last ten fifteen minutes if they would have known one goal could cost them the 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 victory. Mm-hmm. So I think it's fair to say that Carrius cost them the game, even though with a 2-1, I think they would have probably lost it as mm. well. I feel like Salah's injury was probably more costly yeah, than Carrius' mistake. I agree. And it also, because when that happened, you 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 could have feel everyone at Liverpool going down, yeah. and at the same time, everyone at Madrid thinking, we can do this. Here we go. Yeah, this We're going to do this. Now, yeah. Everyone was really confident, uh, the, the Madrid players, except for Carvajal, who was a bit lost <laughs> in the first 20 minutes. I don't know why, because he's so experienced. He's, he has played so many uh, finals. They were coming all from their east side. Probably. Yeah, he was, he was uh, yeah. a bit nervous. He made some mistakes, but the rest of the team was so relaxed. Mm. Yeah, and, and Navas, I saw, I already saw the highlights this morning, and Navas made a great save yes. on uh, on Robertson when they were 0-0. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. that, that mm, if Liverpool scored in that moment, probably the game would have changed oh, a, yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough about blunders. Let's talk about brilliance. Gareth Bloody <laughs> Bale. Is that the best goal of all time? No. 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 <laughs> Why not? Like all, no, no. all time, time, all time? Yeah. No, the history no. of football. So it's, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful goal, uh, yeah. but for me, it's not even like the best goal ever scored in the Champions League final. <laughs> So I, what is Zidane? Zidane, yeah. I I made like a top ten before the before the the game, and I put like Zidane first, Mandzukic Mandzukic for second, and probably Del Piero in nineteen ninety seven for third. Really? But I, but I completely. Oh, so ahead of where would where would it rank in those? Where would Bale's goal rank in terms of that then? Just behind I think, Zidane. I think right now third because I forgot Savicevic in nineteen ninety four. Del Piero one is the one with the black with the back heel. Del Piero. So yeah. 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 Okay. Was that one? Yeah. It's yeah. I can understand. It's technically quite difficult, but but what Bale did, it's all, all also the fact that it was his first touch, second touch. Yeah. So he came out of the bench. He went on the pitch. It was 122 yeah. seconds. He was on the pitch for. Yeah. It, it, it's, to, imagine. Yeah. A bit to, like me at five aside. To me, the, <laughs> <laughs> to me, the best thing is how he 
kick the ball so hard when it was so far from the wall because the the movement is it's great. Mm. It's like you see, it was basically too far from the ball. It got coordinated in time, and he kicked the ball really, really hard. I mean, you see, Carius not even trying to get the ball, mm. but he and couldn't with a, with a high curve. Yeah, well. yeah he yeah. couldn't. Yeah. It was just perfect. But again, mm. <laughs> I gotta say, well, it was a really, really beautiful goal. Maybe yeah. to me, maybe even the best of a, of a Champions League final. Uh, but personally, I just like goals where more players are involved when they mm. really pass it a yeah. lot and then open up the defense and then score mm. these. Like this is more my style. I, I, I don't get the hype about bicycle kicks that much. Mm. With some like the Ronaldo one, the recent the Rooney and and now Bale, they were really really good. But sometimes they just fall flat on their ass and somehow you know score a goal. <laughs> and, it's like, and they still win goal of the month with it. It's like really yeah. But, yeah. Different goals, different needs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's now three Champions Leagues in a row for Real Madrid, four from the last five. But, Andre, do they deserve to be remembered as one of the greatest European teams in football history? Absolutely. Yeah? I know this is going to be... A lot of people would be pissed, but we're talking about a team that won f- four out of five in modern football. Mm. Because they did it uh, back in time, and um, and but doing that right now with so much investment from PSG, City, yeah. Chelsea, uh, Bayern, right now is way more difficult to do it, and they somehow did it. Um, it's true that in the first two they won, and the last year they really looked like the best team. Mm. This year, I don't think so, uh, but. They did it anyway, so yeah. it's it's a generation. Is it, they're going to be remembered as uh, some of the best for sure? And it's amazing because they did not change up their squad that Same much. starting lineup, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. final, yeah. In five <laughs> years, they they how many new players did they get in? Two maybe mm. in, the, in the starting eleven. Mm, yeah, mm, maybe a bit more than that, but two three. No changes from last, last season yeah. to, to no, this it's season. Amazing. It's it's incredible, and we're talking about Real Madrid. They they chronically need to go to the market yeah. and buy some someone special in order to make money on marketing mm. and merchandising and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, they didn't they didn't do it this time. They just uh, they got some kids from from the academy. They were their their second choices. Still good enough to win the Champions League, apparently. Just the last word on the Champions League final, Zidane. Do you think he deserves a bit more respect as a coach? I mean, there was talk at Christmas time that he was going to lose his job like any moment after they lost the Clasico at home to Barcelona, and he's done it again, hasn't he? He's never not won the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. I think, yeah, he deserves some credit. I mean, just, well, as I said before, the way they blocked Firmino like, on um, the game, and actually they get some problems when with long balls, but they cover really, really well the, the depth. I think this is a technical move that just a coach can, can do, and... He just do slightly adjustments, not too big. He didn't change the the football as we know it, but he made those slight adjustments that bring Real Madrid every time on on the plan, really prepared, really cool. They know how to win the game every mm-hmm. time. So I think he deserves a lot, a lot of credit. I think technically he he didn't so far he didn't show as much depth as maybe some some other coaches did. But with his team, it's probably even better that he didn't because we talked about it with a colleague that probably Pe- Pep Guardiola couldn't have won these four out of out of five mm. with his team because you just have players that, that need to be managed but not necessarily... Ronaldo, you can't put him in a tactical frame of like defensively. You have to you have to move back. You have to uh, man-mark some players. And 
and overall this team just works well because you have the you have the right players in the right positions. You don't really need to give them a tactical framework that kind of imprisons them a little bit. You mm-hmm. just let them play and give them basic instructions. I think that's what Zidane is doing really well. I think that the the what what Zidane understood quite well when he took over the team was there were some limitations mm-hmm. and we were, we can all uh, see those limitations, but he, he just found a way of uh, disguising you know all these problems that the, the team had. Uh, Taking over from from Rafa Benitez is not a it's not an easy task, no. and um, being a, a next player, uh, such a big player as he was, he was already really respected in the in the dressing room, which is something that a lot of coaches struggle yeah. to 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 get so the first phase was really easy for him i'm zidane i'm gonna take over this and he's gonna play for me mm. and the 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 leaders of the of the dressing room they said okay let's do it let's make it happen mm. um technically i'm still not totally convinced with uh, with zidane I have to admit that uh, during the last season, in the second half of the season, you made some changes that were absolutely great. Um, dropping Bale and bringing Isco, playing with another midfielder, that was a very good idea. But everything is way easier when you have the, the quality mm-hmm. Real Madrid uh, have right now. Yeah, They have a lot of solutions um, and everyone who's coming from the bench is actually doing something. like. See Bale for more details. Yeah. <laughs> the transfer window isn't actually open until the 1st of July, but it's officially silly season already. Um, let's start with Fabinho to Liverpool. That was one that came out of absolutely nowhere on Monday night. Dre, how good a signing is that for Liverpool, do you think? I think it's a great signing. Um, he, he can play as a right back, as a number six, as a number eight. Um is it, it works a lot and is going to bring some consistency to the midfield i think it's probably it's going i i i'm not seeing uh anderson starting mm. uh i know he's the captain and uh <laughs> it got some respect among um liverpool fans um but fabinho is going to bring something that liverpool really needed and then we're going to have nabi keita so that's that's a proper midfield i think <laughs> and if they then yeah. get fakir on top of it that would be Really, really strong midfield, actually, which were, they were lacking so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, Nabil Fakir is another player that Liverpool look like they're very close to signing. Do you think he'll be a good, a good addition? Well, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, if they could bring in Fabinho and Keita as they be to, to like holding, more holding midfielders, holding midfielders yeah. yeah, and then him maybe in front of it, interchanging as well with Firmino and like with the with the players on the mm-hmm. on the wings. That would be like a really, really great midfield slash attack mm-hmm. um, Antoine Griezmann what's happening to him do we think <laughs> it's uh, there's been a lot of talk about him going to Barcelona Atletico are convinced that he's going to stay or they're adamant that he's going to stay but he has a 100 million buyout clause doesn't it's he so, so cheap right yeah <laughs> bargain it's nothing I mean it genuinely is for a player of that calibre in this, I, this I, market I, yeah. I agree wrong, but I, I think yeah. that Atleti need to they need to review uh, the release clauses that they're, they're putting on contracts because uh Jimenez is a 60 million like like right now I cannot believe I'm saying this but that's really cheap mm. <laughs> and then you have Oblak with 100 million uh Rizman with 100 million they need to uh, to renew these contracts and make the the buyout clauses way bigger than this because mm. otherwise 
it's going to be really hard. It's, it's really hard to to be a third choice in in La Liga, and they the the work that they've been doing in the last five to ten years is absolutely incredible. But if they want to be on top and and try to win the La Liga again, they need to renew these contracts urgently. Mm. Um, PSG and a little bit of trouble, financial fair play, we think. It looks like they might have to let go Neymar or potentially Kylian Mbappe. It's probably going to be Mbappe of the two. No way. No? No, <clears throat> no I don't believe so. You don't think just, they're going to... Just sell three other dudes and yeah. Yeah, sell so Mbappe. Sell Di Maria, Trap. Yes, I, I saw they were... Yeah. No, Valencia is asking for Gonzalo Guedes, probably. Yeah, Guedes is going yeah. to leave. So I think that they will find another way. Yeah, yeah it's, it would be quite irresponsible to sell Mbappe. Yeah, uh, he's probably the most talented kid we've seen since Messi and and Ronaldo started yeah. so many years ago. I, mean, I, I, I saw some highlights from the friendlies, the France uh, against North Ireland. Mm. He, I think he's gonna play a wonderful World Cup. Mm. Honestly, I think he's gonna be the rising, the re, the real rising star of the yeah. World Cup. He's still only what nineteen? Is he? Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, 20, 19, 19. Yeah. I think. What I could see happen is maybe a swap with Ronaldo and Neymar. Mm. That something as unlikely as it still is, and only rumors. But that's something I could see happening more likely than actually Mbappe leaving that team. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a crazy summer. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. speaking of financial fair play, Ooh. Andrea, your yeah. team AC Milan are in a yeah. bit of a uh, bit of hot water there, aren't they? What's yeah. the situation there? So basically, UEFA rejected their settlement agreement. So right now, they will have another grade of degree of judgment. Mm -hmm. And right now, the Milan is in danger to be excluded from next Europa League. Basically, UEFA said your numbers are quite good, not so bad, but the property is not what we want from a from a club. Basically, they say the property got no property. Mm -hmm. So that that's the problem. And the business plan is not so reliable. They say they claim to make. 340 400 million from the Chinese market which no team ever has ever <laughs> made. So right now the the game is is strange because there's always Elliot found in the background on, on October they be, they can become the property of AC Milan because of the tap that Lee and Milan got with the with them. So it's going to be it's going to be I don't know how to say <laughs> weird crazy because the the answer is that the will be in mid June because of the Europa League draw. Right now, I've, the the board of Milan is in neon to deal with the with UEFA. They mm -hmm. present another business plan. They show that league got the money to cover like the short-term uh, expense. And then uh, Elliot said, we, we cover all this, we mm -hmm. got this. There's no point. Milan will not go into bankruptcy. But my opinion is that UEFA need a, a big fish mm -hmm. to claim to the other clubs. Mm. A fair financial fair play is what we want. Yeah. So you can do whatever whatever you want. And after what happened last summer with PSG, Milan is like the the perfect team in the perfect mm. moment. It's the perfect storm. So make, I, a, make I an example of them. Is that what they're going to do? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Make yeah, and I think in some way for Milan it could be. I mean. Being excluded from your European competition is like a damage, an mm -hmm. image damage. But on the other side, they will get probably they will get a fine or some restrictions on the market. Mm -hmm. and you don't want them right now. Mm -hmm. Basically, not playing Europa League can be a good thing. So you have to prepare just one game, and 
they need to get back in the Champions League. Mm -hmm. They can avoid for another year the, the, the qualification. So probably the best for them is get excluded from the Europa League, but I mm -hmm. can understand that for our fans and for the society is a big, big image, yeah. image damage. At least they can't sign Fabio Barini again this summer, whatever happens. I think he will stay in the team. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, 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 yeah he will stay, definitely. I think that they, they will try to sell uh, uh, Kalinic for sure, mm. Silva, just because for uh, for his agent, Mendes. There's a lot of talk about Donnarumma, but a couple of days ago, Rayola said that, oh, he will play forever in, in Milan mm. after he spent like the last two years <laughs> trying to sell him to every team. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be creepy. Creepy. That, that's what I say. Yeah. We're just staying with Serie A. There's a, a player who's um, causing a lot of noise at the moment, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk about him going to Manchester United, potentially. Yeah. They want £100 million for him. Is he worth that? What sort of player? They, they want more than £100 million. Really? Yeah. Uh, Tito, last president, yesterday said that he already rejected um, £110 million bid, mm. probably from Juventus last oh, wow. summer. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's waiting for 150 something like that. Mm. If you play a wonderful World Cup, which I think... The, the price will rise again. And I think, yeah, if I'm, it's because of the the parameter we have now. Mm -hmm. So it's you have to say Milinkovic Savic worth this this money. And I think he's a really, really great player. Mm -hmm. I mean, just him change the change Lazio's style of play because it's a great midfielder. It's, I'm going to say something bad, but it's like Fellaini with more technique because it's tall, he can defend <laughs> the ball, he can... He, he can like uh, make the team like go brief uh, and mm -hmm. defend the ball. It's and then he played like a number ten. He got the technique. He got wonderful, wonderful skills. So it's like Fellaini but useful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably what I have to say. He, he needs to grow a little bit on, on the defensive side because he sometimes he just disappear during the game. But yeah, I will think uh, it, it worth that money. I don't think Manchester United will get him no. because his top choice is Real Madrid and Juventus will go really, really hard for him. He wouldn't lower himself to playing for Manchester United, is that what you're saying? <laughs> what? He wouldn't lower himself to playing for Manchester United. No, maybe, maybe he will go. I don't know if he'll lower or not, but honestly, I, I, I don't see them as a, as a top dog. Honestly. No, if fair to bet, I would say Juve. <laughs> I, me, me too, me too. Helga, uh, Robert Lewandowski is going to be off-ski by the looks of things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Zing. <laughs> Where's he going, and who we're gonna, buying going to replace him with? Uh, I don't know if he's going at all. I know he, and everybody knows by now that he wants to go. Um, but last year, Oli Hoeneß has made a big deal out of saying that this would never happen to Bayern Munich as it happened to Borussia Dortmund back then with Dembélé and Aubameyang. He said that he'd rather, no matter the name, put him on the on the stands and let him sit there until the end of the contract, mm -hmm. than let a player dictate the the transfer business of Bayern. We'll see if he follows this up now with uh, 100 million, 150 million in the in the balance. Um, but so let's say Lewandowski leaves. Uh, there's supposedly interest from Real Madrid, but there's also a good relationship between the presidents of the two clubs. So I don't think they will go for it if Bayern doesn't mm -hmm. want to. Uh, so what makes sense will be PSG maybe to to go for him. Um, Chelsea supposedly interested as well. They uh, they're gonna go big on a on a striker this mm. year. It's what the rumors say as well with Ricardi. So yeah, that's um, those two teams are the more likely destinations. Um, in in regard to a replacement, 
there is talks of a swap that Cavani might go to to Bayern, which is not the most terrible choice. Even though Cavani is also, I think, thirty one years old, yeah. so it's not really a choice for the future. So if I was Bayern, I could choose. I would invest the money for Lewandowski into Icardi because mm. he's uh, a couple years younger. Yeah. He is a very very good striker. Has scored a lot of goals. He's a as well. He's good in the box as well. So that. There's some other talks of like maybe Dybala, but he's more like a number 10 than a number 9, I would mm -hmm. say. Or even Griezmann as well to go there. But he's not... Like, he can play that, but he's not the pure striker either. Yeah. So I think Icardi would be the best choice there if I if I would have to yeah, decide. Definitely. Dre, it looks like Man United could be signing Porto's Diogo Dalot. Is that, am I saying that right? The reports, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Diogo Dalot. What sort of player is he? Uh, is uh, a fullback, um, mainly a right back. Mm -hmm. Is really, really good. I've seen him play many, many times. He played for the under 19s uh, and then briefly on the B team. He played a couple of games uh, with the first team this season. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't ever the first choice, but you can spot a lot of quality on on him. Juventus also wanted to sign yeah. him. Um, but apparently Man United closed the deal. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 20 million, I think it is. Yeah, the buyout clause is 20 million. Apparently, uh, Man United offered 20 million plus 4 million in bonus, according to future, um, I don't know, can be related to the player or um, trophies. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea. I just know that it's going to be 20 plus something, right. which is weird because you just pay the buyout clause and yeah. you give some bonus. Uh, but that's the, the reports that we have. Nice. I want you to tell me you're a sporting fan. In one word, how you feel about your club being linked with Joe Hart this week? <laughs> Got it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I, I don't. I don't understand. No. We have a very good keeper right now. Um, one of one of the best in Europe for many many years. Uh, a lot of Europe uh, just. I don't know. Probably they don't watch uh, Portuguese football enough. Mm. Cause but but Napoli is really hard on Rupert. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, is I think he's going to move to Napoli. It's going to yeah. be something between eighteen and twenty million. Uh, Sporting is trying to push a little bit more, trying to get twenty million yeah. right now and some bonus later. Um, I would say that it's it's a fair price because he's a very good goalkeeper. He's been the goalkeeper of the of Sporting for eleven seasons now. He started when he was only eighteen. Um, and getting a good goalkeeper these days is really hard. Just ask Liverpool about it. <laughs> so um, if they get it for 20 million, it's an incredible deal for, for Napoli. Well, that's uh, probably the sweatiest podcast I've ever done, I think. <laughs> um, that's about all we've got time for this week. So thank you, Andre, Helga, Andrea, our wonderful producer, Damo. Thank you all for listening. We're going to take a little break next week. Uh, we'll be gear up for the World Cup. So we'll be back the week after next, and we shall see you then. 